The Titans find a way to beat themselves in Pittsburgh. What does the rest of their season look like? This is the Titans 10. We're talking that and much more. Let's go. Welcome in to the Titans 10 for Tuesday, December the 21st. I am your host, Easton Freeze, broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. Hope you all have had a good start to your hopefully short Christmas week of work. Uh, I know I'm I'm working uh, through the Titans game on Thursday night, and then I am spending time with family and friends. You know, following the Titans this week. Works out pretty well for Christmas because they got the short week and uh, we'll be done with them for the weekend. Just enjoying time with friends and family, hopefully watching some football on Christmas Day and then, of course, on Sunday as well. Um, But we're here to talk about the Titans. Unfortunately, uh, you're here to listen about the Titans and how uh, abysmal they were this past weekend in Pittsburgh. And we're going to get into that. We've got a ton to cover in today's episode. Before we get into our, of course, weekly recap and our post-game pressers, and then some quick hits, which are our three segments for today. We have to talk about subscribing. If you are not already subscribing to the podcast, please do so. Wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, hit subscribe. If you leave a five-star review and a rating, I just might shout you out on the show. So please, go do it. I know it's every show you listen to asks you to do that. You don't ever. I, I get it. I don't really either. But if you're going to do it once... Make it for this show, because we're a smaller show trying to get off the ground this season. It means a ton. It just takes five seconds of your time. Leave a five-star review. I will shout you out on, on a show coming up. Um, so please do that, and thank you in advance for doing that. All right, we are going to go ahead and jump right into our weekly recap for week 15. Remember when the Titans were on that incredible six-game win streak? Well, welcome to late December. The Titans have beaten a single team in the past five weeks, and that team was the Jaguars in Nashville in Urban Meyer's final game before getting canned. Other than that, a month plus, five weeks of L's for the Titans. They are officially on a skid, and this weekend they took an embarrassing loss up in Pittsburgh. 19-13 to was the final score. The best news for the Titans this week is that their dud in Pittsburgh is going to be overshadowed by another contender vying for the one seed who's actively falling apart. Please postmark your thank you notes to Motor City Dan. MCDC up there with the Motor City Kitties taking down the Cardinals. That was crazy. Um, Yeah, in terms of AFC South relevance, the Colts take on the Cardinals this week. Obviously, the Titans would like to see the Cardinals bounce back. Going to be a weird game. Uh, I'm not sure what that was from the Cardinals. You'd think with a good team they'd bounce back, but we'll have to see. That's two straight losses for them. They're on a bit of a skid of their own. But back to the Titans in their game. Listen, I called how this game would look all week last week. Up 10-0 after the first quarter. The Titans, I said I said all week on the Titans 10 last week that they would likely find themselves in a position that they haven't been in all season long, which is trying to hold on to a lead late in the game, and that's where they were. They had a two-score lead late in the game, late in the third quarter, and the Steelers, as they've done all year long, surged back in the in the final 15 to 20 minutes of the game. That's what they did in this game. Surge is probably a strong word because the offense 
was as woeful as you'd expect from the Steelers. They hardly moved the ball, but the Titans continued to just gift the game to the Steelers, and the Steelers took it. And in the end, the Titans could not get out of their own way. A simple summary of the game is is two bullet points. One, too many turnovers. Two, not enough players. And I think it's really that simple, and we'll get into that more as we break down both sides of the ball. First, let's start with the defense. Now, the Titans' defense was fantastic once again today, or excuse me, on, on this week, on Sunday. They held the Steelers to just 168 yards on offense, which is the fewest any Titans' defense has held any team to in a number of years. They forced four field goals, despite the Titans' offense leaving the Titans' defense with repeated field position messes that they had to come in and clean up. They did a really fantastic job all day. I'm not sure there's anything that you can complain about from the defense's performance. They played more than well enough to win this game going away. Titans' newly acquired Zach Cunningham, standout linebacker from the Texans, this was his first game active with the team, and he led the team in tackles uh, after joining the team on Tuesday of last week, so he looked great. That's exciting for the Titans' defense. He seems to have found a second life getting out of Houston, playing for a contender. The Steelers, they failed to gain a first down on seven of their 11 possessions. So they got a single first down or more on four possessions all day long, and they still won the game. And why did they win the game? Well, because of the Titans' offense. We're going to jump over to that side of the ball now. I have a number of things to say. First of all, they get what they deserve. There are no excuses for 13 turnovers in four games. 13 turnovers in four games. And they managed to win one of those games. They didn't have any turnovers in that game. Uh, Excuse me, I I don't think that they did. Regardless, the vast majority, if not all, of those turnovers have come in three games. Versus the Texans, at New England, at Pittsburgh. And the responsibility for those 13 turnovers, Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon, who's a a buddy of mine, friend of the show, had him on a couple of uh, weeks ago. He tweeted out something that I thought was really interesting. He compiled the list of responsibility for the past 13 turnovers that the Titans have had. And there's really blame to go all around. So in, in order of those 13 turnovers, the responsibility lies with Ryan Tannehill, Chester Rogers, probably Des Fitzpatrick, probably Des Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill forcing a ball in desperation mode at the end of a game, Dontrell Hilliard fumble, Deonta Foreman fumble, um, a great play by the Patriots, Kari Blossom game, Ferkser, McMath, a great play by the Steelers, and then either Tannehill or Ben Jones, whoever was responsible for the fumbled snap in the Titans-Steelers game. The blame, it's not on any one person. It goes all the way around. And I've been saying it for a couple of weeks that turnovers are a regressive stat. They're a stat that regresses to the mean. Either way, your turnover luck tends to not last. And with the Titans, I don't know what it is. They're just, they're just on a, a horrible streak. And I'll continue to say that turnovers are a regressive stat because they are. And in the long term, I'll be right about that. But you don't know at this point whether or not that regression to the mean will come at the end of this season just in time for them to make a run or whether it will come next season. And, and so you just have to hope that they can turn that luck around. The Titans offense held the ball for 39 minutes and eight seconds. 
It's a 60-minute game, by the way. So almost 40 minutes of the game, almost two-thirds of the game, they had possession of the ball. Killed them in time of possession. They had the yardage advantage, 318 yards to 168. They were 44% on third down compared to just 17% from the, from the Steelers, and they had 10 more first downs than the Steelers, and they managed to lose that game. They won in basically every statistical category of that game, beat the Steelers, beat them bad in most of the statistical categories, except for two turnovers and points. And unfortunately, I'm told those are the two most important stats in the in the box score. And so they lost the game. It, it just details, it outlines how they managed to beat themselves. And I'd contend the Titans really only have one loss to a team that beat them this year. Arizona beat them. They didn't lose because of themselves, the Titans. They lost because Arizona beat them in the opener. But their other four losses, I think arguably are all on them. The Jets loss, horrible game, turnovers, couldn't finish late. Steelers game, horrible turnovers, couldn't finish late. Patriots, same situation. Texans, same situation. All four losses, big turnover differential loss for the Titans, and and a game in which they couldn't finish late with who they had on the field. So I guess on one hand, there's some optimism because this team is playing better recently than their than their record would reflect, in my opinion. But at the same time, if you can't get out of your own way, not only is that infuriating, but it doesn't matter how good you're playing. If you continue to trip over your own two feet, um, you, you can't make a run if you're not disciplined, if you're not protecting the ball. And that's not what the Titans are doing right now. They're they're dud in Pittsburgh. I'm just going to break down a couple of the numbers that I think you'll find interesting before we get into some clips from the postgame press conferences. Their dud in Pittsburgh shrank their chances at the AFC one seed to just roughly 12 percent per the New York Times playoff calculator machine. Uh, Whereas before this game, the Titans controlled their own destiny in the conference. They could have won out and had the one seed, not needed any help. Now they certainly need some help. Going 3-0 and in their final game would just give them, in terms of their odds, according to this playoff machine, roughly a 50% chance at that one seed in the bye if they were to win out. The Titans now sit at number three in the AFC, and they will need to win out a loss from Kansas City, who plays uh, Pittsburgh at home, then at Cincinnati, at Denver, and a loss from New England, who hosts Buffalo and then hosts Jacksonville and then plays at Miami. So in order to get the AFC one seed in the bye, they need a loss from both KC and New England, neither of which has, you know, three guaranteed wins left on their schedule. I think it's more likely than not that they win those games, but it, it's not hopeless. They don't have nothing but cupcakes left. So the Titans still have a chance at the one seed, but it's certainly a long shot now as compared to before they lost in Pittsburgh and and threw away a massive chance to get some much-needed rest for a beat-up team in that first week of the playoffs, as well as potentially extra rest for guys like Derrick Henry to get back out there on the field. All right, moving right along into our post-game pressers segment, I've got three clips to share with you today, all from immediately following the Titans' loss to Pittsburgh. We've got one from Kevin Byard, Bud Dupree, and Jeffrey Simmons. I don't have a ton of context or, you know, 
analysis to add to these three clips this week. Uh, they're just things that I think you'll find interesting and and that I think uh, fit the show well. So this first one is from Bud Dupree. This was his response when asked about how he feels in terms of his health, this being his first game coming off of IR, and how his knee is doing as well. Yeah, everything's starting to come back around. Uh, you know, still going to take time. Um, time I probably still still a little more time, but at the end of the day, you know, I feel good enough to go out here with the team and compete. So the good news about Dupree being on IR until this week, obviously, was that his knee, which if you have been living under a rock, he came off of an ACL tear late in last season with Pittsburgh. So he'd been nursing that knee back to health and that four week break that he got being on IR uh, seems to have allowed him to get that knee in good shape. So he wasn't on IR because of the knee. Obviously, he was on IR because of an abdominal injury. Uh, but it sounds like he's good to go. Now, our next clip is from Kevin Byard. Here is what he had to say about the loss and about the team having to move forward on a short week. Obviously, you know, we're banged up. Guys got to get, you know, healthy. Short short week, you know, short week in San Fran. Don't really have a lot of time to really, you know, try to think about all these different AFC pitchers and stuff like that. Uh, best case scenario, we went out. And that's all we can do. Um, we can't be concerned about what other teams are doing, things like that. If we went out, we think we'll have to put ourselves in a really good position. So um, that's the mentality. Go out there, try to win a ball game on Thursday night. Kevin's got the mindset that the Titans are going to have to have. Win out and don't worry about the rest because they need help. And if you are looking around you, obviously you can't focus on the three games in front of you. And that help, whether it comes or not, will not matter if the Titans do not win a couple more, if not all of their remaining games. Uh, Like he said, they're on a short week this week. Not great, but the good news about being on a Thursday night football game late in the season, especially this late in the season, I believe this is one of the last, if not the last, Thursday night football games this year. It's great if you're the home team, and the Titans are this week. Road teams on short weeks this late in the season tend not to do very well, especially when they're having to go cross-country like the 49ers will be against the Titans. So that's certainly a, a home-field advantage boost for Tennessee this week, even though the short week impacts both teams evenly in terms of guys getting back, getting healthy, getting recovered from their game, and being able to play. But the good news is Titans in a different climate than San Francisco, so it could be cold and that could impact the team less used to it, which San Francisco you'd assume would be, as well as them having to travel and the Titans not on a short week of football. Now, the third and final clip is from Jeffrey Simmons, defensive star for the Titans. He had, in his postgame press conference, he was pretty clearly uh, a a bit upset, obviously, Um, but frustration seemingly coming from, frankly, the offense not holding up their side of the bargain, right? And obviously, he's not going to say that, but you can tell by uh, his remarks here about how the game went that he's focused on the defense, and he's acknowledging that the defense can only do so much the offense has to hold up their side of the bargain. Um, I mean, we just we just gotta go out, keep keep playing ball, man. As we know, like the of course, our offense turned on the ball, and our job is to go out there. I think we call it a sudden change. Like, like things happen in the game, our offense turned on the ball. What we did, make them kick kick field goal. I think they kicked like four field goal. That's our job, and uh, you know we can't control what the offense doing. All we control is what the defense doing, and 
you know, this got to be a quick turnaround. We got to flush it quick. Um, we got a Thursday night game, so I think that's the mindset. You know, watch film, get the correction, and move on. Simmons has been fantastic for the Titans all year. He's going to end up being a pro bowler. He's right. The, the defense is playing at a level that is absolutely capable of making a deep playoff run. They're playing better and better each week. They're relatively healthy. They're getting guys back each week. And they're in a position where if the offense can just tread water until they get some guys back to health, figure some things out, hopefully, potentially get back A.J. Brown and then Derrick Henry, this team could make a run. But the offense has to quit turning the ball over. It's really that simple. Weapons is a big thing, but ultimately it's the turnovers. And I tweeted this earlier today. If the Titans just play like they played in Pittsburgh the next three weeks in this regular season stretch, I think that they will win all three games if they do not turn the ball over four times. I think that it's really as simple as the Titans will win every regular season game they have remaining in which they win the turnover battle. And they will lose every game remaining in which they lose the turnover battle. The weapons, the game plan, health of the team, that's going to matter more in the playoffs. The the equation is a little bit different once you get there. Those things will matter more. But in these three regular season games remaining, all three teams, they should beat with the game with the game plan, with the game script, with with the production that they put up on both sides of the ball. In the Pittsburgh game, if they are able to translate that in these last three games without turning the ball over four times and losing the turnover battle dramatically, they should win all three games. I think it's really that simple. The defense has to keep playing uh, up to their standards, improving the offense has to hold on to the ball. All right, before we get out of here, our final segment, quick hits, two things. First of which, we mentioned the Pro Bowl with Jeffrey Simmons There are a couple of Titans players, three in particular, who finished at the top of their, uh, they they were the top vote getters in the AFC at their respective positions. Kevin Byard at free safety got just shy of 195,000 votes. Jeffrey Simmons at D tackle, 175-ish thousand votes. And Ola Adaini, special teamer nominee, just shy of 100,000 votes. Byard's vote total led all safeties in the entire NFL. AFC and NFC, and Simmons and Adaini each finished second in their respective decision, or respective positions. So they all three have really good chances to be Pro Bowlers this year. I'd say that Bayard and Simmons are pretty much locks, and Adaini has a solid shot. So we'll have to see once they announce the full Pro Bowl rosters. The second quick hit is Ryan Tannehill. Now, there's been a lot of Ryan Tannehill discourse. If you want to hear more of my opinion on it, go listen to the Home Run Throwback episode from Monday. We talk about it a lot, Jimmy Morris and I, but I just have a couple of statistical things to throw out there for you to make the argument for Ryan Tannehill. He had 40, he had over 40 yards passing on on, uh, Sunday, which means he's hit 30,000 yards in his entire career which is a a big milestone. He becomes the 52nd QB in NFL history to reach 30,000 yards. He also hit 3,000 yards in a a single season for the sixth time in his career, so he's over the 3,000-yard mark this year. In terms of his play and the just abysmal offensive position that this team has put him in, among QBs with a minimum of 300 dropbacks, Ryan Tannehill has 
two and a half seconds or less in the pocket on 52.8% of his dropbacks. That's the seventh highest percentage in the NFL. So almost, not almost, over 50% of the time, Tannehill has less than two and a half seconds to get rid of the ball or throw it away or pull the trigger into a tight window or try to make a play with his legs. He has two and a half seconds or more in the pocket, just 47.2% of his dropbacks, which is the seventh lowest percentage in the NFL. And this is really the one that's that's a kicker. From Ben Baldwin, Computer Cowboy, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He tweeted out a graph. He tweets out a number of graphs. He's a big analytics uh, football nerd guy, which, hey, no disrespect there. I'm a total nerd. We, this is a, a stat-driven show. We we love, we love these uh, tidbits from Ben Baldwin regularly every week. He tweeted out a graph that showed that the Titans have a bottom three pass-blocking offensive line, and Ryan Tannehill has lost the most EPA per play due to drops among all full-time starting quarterbacks. So Tannehill has a bottom three pass-blocking unit in his offensive line. The offensive line, for some reason, they can run block till the cows come home, but they cannot pass block to save their lives of the among the three worst in the entire league this year. And he's also dealing with receivers, running backs, tight ends that drop the ball, costing them the most EPA in the entire league, the most expected points added per play. Basically, in the in the most critical situations, he has more drops this year than any other full-time starting quarterback. So it, again, I'm not going to go full-fledged into the Ryan Tannehill argument. If you want more of that, go listen to Home Run Throwback last week, or yesterday, rather, from this week. But Ryan Tannehill, he's not played great this season. He's played worse than he has, the worst he has as a Titan uh, in his entire career. But also, he is far from, far from the number one problem. And I'll just say this, all of the Titans fans after this game that ran to trade Ryan Tannehill away or cut him after the season, try to figure out how to get him off the books. Just foolishness. Stop. You're being you're, you're fools. You're being fools about this. You you either are brand new to football and brand new to being a Titans fan or you you need to see a doctor because you have significant significant short-term memory issues. <laughs> These I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't not get into this. This magical replacement, this magical upgrade that's just floating out there in the ether, this stable of quarterbacks that the Titans could upgrade over Ryan Tannehill with that, that are just out there for the taking. They don't exist. They're not out there. So if you want to cut Ryan Tannehill, you're asking to jump right back into the quarterback search discussion, which is the worst place to be. If if you followed the NFL, if you follow any NFL teams that are currently in that position, it's a bad place to be. You don't want to be there. So it's just ridiculousness, especially with with the credit that Ryan Tannehill has built with the Titans in his time here. He's in a, the worst situation of any quarterback in the entire NFL. The worst situation. And he's not playing well either. That's compounding, but it's it's both individually a problem that he's not playing well and also clearly a result of the situation he's been put in. Any quarterback, regardless of whether they're Patrick Mahomes or Ryan Tannehill or Mitch Trubisky, their play is in some part tied to the performance of the guys around them. It's not a single player game. It's 11 guys out there and and his his skill position talent 
combined with the talent of his offensive line in the passing game, is the worst in the entire league. So of course he's not playing as well. And of course he needs to play better. But there are reasons for these things, and the nuance is just not there. So I'm sorry I got preachy at the end of this episode, but I think it was necessary. That's it for our quick hits today. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you for listening. I hope that you join us again later this week. Uh, I'm not sure. We had guests lined up this week to shove our entire four schedule, four scheduled episodes into the four days, work week days before the Titans play this Thursday night. But we had some scheduling conflicts, unfortunately, with some really great guests. I'm not sure whether both or either of them will be able to join me in the next day or two before the Titans play on Thursday. We will have the Week 16 preview episode, as we typically do, uh, f- following the end, you know, the end of the week, looking ahead to the Titans' next opponent. I'm not sure whether that will be a Wednesday afternoon thing or a Thursday morning thing. It probably will depend on just how the week goes, whether I can get those guests in here or not. Um, if I can't, these these two guys are really great, and I'm going to work hard to get them in. Uh, at a at a later date, we're not going to give up on them. We want to have them on the show, um, so we'll work through that. That's the that's the bummer news. That's why I know on Home Run Throwback, I said that this episode would be coming out on Monday evening, but because of the scheduling conflict, went ahead and left this to our regular Tuesday episode. So that's the explanation for that. We'll see. At the very latest, you will hear from me again on either Thursday morning or Wednesday evening uh, slash afternoon with the with the. Titans 10 preview episode for week 16. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Subscribe to Home Run Throwback, Jimmy and I. Every single week, we talk Titans on Sunday night, posted every Monday morning for you. Long-form podcast. This week's was by far our best this season. It's a, I think it's a mandatory listen. You're really going to enjoy it. We go through some uh, listener and Twitter follower submitted hot takes. It's a new segment we've got going. It's really fun. Uh, you can you can get involved and you can learn how to get involved if you go listen to the episode. So go check it out. Subscribe to Home Run Throwback. Subscribe to this show. I'm done rambling. If, you, if you're even still listening, props to you. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you later this week. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. All press conference audio in this episode is courtesy of TennesseeTitans.com. A big thank you to them for making that available. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, follow me at Easton Freeze and the show at the Titans 10 to interact with me and keep up with any of our show updates. And finally, check out me and my very talented colleagues over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com for all things Tennessee sports. We've got great new content for you seven days a week. Until next time, I'm Easton Freeze. The Titans 10 is a Broadway sports media production.